it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not pretending people are going to die to score political points. Check this out. Democrats and their allies in the media want you to believe Republicans are a bunch of fear mongers. But to hear them tell it, repealing Roe versus Wade will kill millions of women. Democrats are so full of crap. Yo, the stupid meter has been cranked up to 11, to put it in spinal tap terms. <laughs> and uh, we're going to discuss it with Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor, uh, editor at the Transom, North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy, and Democratic strategist Jessica Tarloff will be in the House as well, because I say this every day on our show. It's a show. It's not an activist forum. You can be anything you want to be, a Republican, a Democrat. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a <laughs> That is all. 888-788-9910 if you want in. 888-788-9910. Also the number if you want out. You want to just call up and be like, listen, Fela, this show sucks. What were you wearing on Gutfeld last night, by the way? Uh, if you didn't see the show, uh, we will be posting clips on the Fox Cross America Facebook page. There's a clip up right now from this morning's hit on America's Newsroom with the great Dana Perino. Uh, a programming note there. I am also on Dana Perino's podcast this week. It's a very high honor, and you can download it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Dana Perino. The episode is called Becoming Jimmy Fallon. Uh, it's it's a sober version of what it took to become Jimmy Fallon. It's a repeatable in a family-friendly environment version of what it took to be where I am right now broadcasting to millions of people across the world, which is, of course, a high honor. Uh, if you want to see me in person this month, uh, I'm going to be at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, July 15th and 16th. Those shows are at 7 and 9 p.m. It's a Friday and Saturday, July 15th, July 16th, the Stress Factory in New Jersey. That club, of course, newbrunswick.stressfactory.com if you want to get those tickets. I just like to promote the stand-up stuff right out of the gate uh, at the beginning of the abortion segment because that's always so good for comedy. Am I right? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. You know, I'm always a little dumb on this show because I say that is the vibe. You know, the world's on fire. We're trying to roast some radio marshmallows, keep the mood light, trying to get the country back to a place where we can, in fact, have a forum where you're allowed to agree to disagree. Remember the old phrase, ah, we'll agree to disagree on this one. That doesn't work anymore. Now, if you disagree, like, we got to cancel you. We got to fire this guy. Let's pressure his sponsors. He's a murderer. Okay, he's an angry black man. That's what they're saying about Clarence Thomas, Hillary Clinton. The people's pantsuit. Remember her? Ran for president in 2016. Had the entirety of the media at her back. Had all of late night comedy. Most of the Republican Party, for being honest, because they're, you know, establishment stooges. Don't forget, 80% of Washington, D.C. is a member of the Uniparty. They're not Republicans. They're not Democrats. They're people getting fat and happy off the lobbyist gravy train. I agree with that. So with all of that at her disposal, Hillary Clinton still ended election night 2016, howling at the moon. 
but she is very much angling to run again in 2024. I've said this to you before. I've said this on a multitude of shows. The presidency is a disease that is only curable by death. What that means is people who really, really, really want to be president will die thinking about nothing more or nothing less than being president. Okay, she's angling right now because there's a huge opening in 2024. They have no bench. Okay, right now you're reading a lot of articles out of the Obama camp. David Axelrod saying Gavin Newsom, he should be the nominee in 2024. Now, understand that's significant. Okay, for two reasons. One, if if David Axelrod is positing this theory, it means it's coming from Obama. Okay, he's Obama's top strategist. He's his mouthpiece. If he's saying Newsom should be the guy. That's Obama's way of saying that, you know, Biden sucks and Kamala is useless as well. And I think most people would agree that she is, you know, Kamala Harris is absolutely positively just a zero intellectually. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) But the fact that even Newsom would be getting the nod over Biden is pretty funny. Although I don't know what you're going to sell America. What is the Gavin Newsom presidential slogan after running California into the ground? Make America poop outdoors again. So understand Hillary, who will be able to raise money, Hillary, who really wants to run again. I've said it before. I've said it again. She will never stop running for president. Someday you will be at Trump rallies and the crowd will be chanting, help her up. But stick with me. Here's Hillary starting this narrative. It's a very coordinated narrative. The narrative being that women are going to die because of. Clarence Thomas's grievances, this angry black man. Never mind. I played you a clip last week of Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor telling a crowd that Clarence Thomas is the nicest guy on the court. He knows the name of every clerk. He knows everything about their kids. He's the only guy there that takes time to really invest in what would be described as the little people, Clarence Thomas. That was the assessment of who he was a week ago. Now, a week later, Roe versus Wade gets overturned, and they're like, Clarence Thomas is the devil! That's just how white folks will do you. Here's one of the white folks that will do you all kinds of dirty, Hillary Clinton. This is clip eight. I went to law school with him. Mm-hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, Find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to Yes, this. the people he is speaking to, which are the, you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Wait, women are going to die because Roe was repealed? That is a fact check false. Again, this is why tensions are so, you know, so fierce right now. There's so much, there's just so much brazen lying going on. Okay, understand the overturning of Roe versus Wade did not ban abortion. If you're new to the discussion, Roe versus Wade is firmly intact. Okay, in terms of your right to an abortion as a woman in this country, what the ruling did was return to the states the decision on what limitations, if any, will ultimately be imposed on abortion, meaning you live in a blue state, 
you're going to vote and you're going to get abortion because that's what people want in blue states. If you live in a red state, you're probably going to see some limits to abortion. Six weeks is the heartbeat limit. Fifteen weeks is the pretty popular in Mississippi's trigger law limit. Now, understand, as you call that restrictive, over in Europe, the average is 12 weeks. You can't get an abortion beyond 12 weeks in 99 percent of Europe. So the fact that we're letting abortion go to the 15th week here in this country, which is what the more draconian Democratic descriptions are calling Mississippi is a draconian ruling that's going to kill people. You still have more abortion access here than you would in Europe. But when she says people are going to die, she's saying it as if what? They're going to be getting back alley abortions. Yo, if you live in a blue state, you're going to get a regular abortion. You live in a red state. We're already being told that employees are going to pay for women to travel so you're going to have abortion tourism it's gonna be like national lampoons abortion vacation clark griswold gets the kids in the family structure and they go drive to get an abortion i mean it's insane what we're talking about the same democrats who told us you know abortion be, should be safe legal and rare are now saying ah, i should have it whatever you want wherever you want your job should have to pay for it Okay, it's crazy. Abortion tourism is where we're at now. But the point is, no one is going to be getting a back alley abortion unless they want one. I don't know if your employer will pay for you to go get one or you live in a state that already has them. Then this isn't a real thing. And this is why our society can't make progress on most major issues. We start the debate based on a lie. Okay, if this is the grounds we're having this debate on, it's, well, you either, you know, You either support unlimited access to abortion or you want to kill women. Okay, that's the debate right now when there seems to be a lot of nuance in between. And oh, by the way, if we're going to talk about killing women, abortion has led to the deaths of 63 million babies. Half of them would have been women. But nobody wants to have that conversation because people are going to die. Here's more of it. And this is just embarrassing. Okay, here's AOC. Okay, flat flat out telling us. That the Supreme Court decision will kill people. AOC is a dope. She really is. Clip 17. Forcing women to carry pregnancies against their will uh, will kill them. It will kill them, especially in the state of Arkansas, where there is very little to no support for life after birth uh, in terms of health care, in terms of child care, and in terms of combating poverty. This decision and this policy will kill people no matter what their what the their spin and what uh, their talking points are and that's what the data shows and that's what the statistics show are you stupid or something the data that's what the data shows that's what the statistics show is anyone pointing to that data those statistics the answer would be no no those are terms they throw out oh the data look at the statistics okay i well fine let's look at the data let's look at the statistics put up or shut up they can't They can't do either. They can't put up, but they won't shut up. Okay, this is the refrain now. People are going to die. Support our unlimited right to abortion. It's abortion on demand. You know, they have Amazon Prime. Amazon abortion. You hit an app on your phone, just bring an abortion right to your house. Here you go. So convenient. And if you're against that, you're some kind of an animal. It's crazy. But imagine living in a world where the, the people that are trying to protect innocent life are the bad ones. That's the sell here. And it was effective for a while. It was effective for a long time. Okay, one, we didn't have the same science in 1973 that we do now. We know a lot more now about the viability of a baby in the womb. But two, Roe versus Wade actually denied individual states a say in abortion. If individual states had a say in abortion going back to 1973, you'd have abortion in about 17 states. 
and you'd have a very limited version of it in about 33 states. Okay, you might get no abortion in four or five states. So, I mean, if you wanted to be fair, you'd probably go about 29, 17, and 4 would be no abortion. 17 would be what you have now in blue states. 29 would be six weeks to 15 weeks of abortion. They would, as the Democrats like to tell you, follow the science. But instead, no, 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 people are going to die. And again, this is why we can't make progress. When you keep calling the people who disagree with you murderers based on nothing more, nothing less then your, you know, desire to stare up, share up the pot emotionally so you can score political points, you're never going to make progress on the issue. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Here's Terry Moran. He's ABC's senior national correspondent. I'm assuming he got this term because he thinks like a senior in high school. This guy's stupid. Again, people are going to die. Here it is, clip 28. This is the most consequential Supreme Court decision in decades. It changes the status of American women as citizens of the United States and as citizens of their states. That's the big picture, but let's not mince words. Women will die because of this ruling. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Why are women going to die because of this ruling? If you live in a blue state, you're going to get an abortion for free. I'm going to wind up paying for it out of my tax money. You live in a red state. You're either going to drive to a blue state. Sorry, you got to kick up a couple of bucks for gas and tolls. I mean, you're getting away with murder. It's not the end of the world. You know, OJ, after he got done driving down the 405, didn't hit up the the California Sheriff's Department for gas money. Hey, you know, AC only got, you know, 16 miles to the gallon in that white Bronco. How about you pony up a little bit? You know, give me a break, man. It's insane. People aren't going to die. In fact, the people that want limitations on abortion, are doing it. Are you ready? Because they want more people to live. Oh, wow. That's the racket here. You're asking for the right to kill babies up until birth. They are viable beyond 23 weeks. They can live outside the mom. Okay, if you're killing them at a point when they can live outside the mom, that is straight-up murder. You can debate me about those first 23 weeks. I don't think you're going to win if we involve the science. I think if you call, say, you know, the patriarchy, white male privilege, stuff like that, you'll get applause from a liberal auditorium. But you won't actually win on the merits of the science. But the point is, okay, at the 23-week mark, okay, these babies can live beyond the mom. So if you are in favor of killing them, as Democrats are now, right up until birth, unlimited abortion, okay, you're not the good guy. History is not going to record you as the good guy. They're going to look back on late-term abortion as a human rights abuse tantamount to slavery in terms of it being judged by history as something so heinous and barbaric that everybody associated will have their names removed from a building. Okay, we're at a really disgusting place right now in our politics, and the Democrats are doubling down on a lot of intimidation. You know, we're going to march to your house. We're going to burn down your pro-life center. They're doubling down on fear mongering. People are going to die. And they're doing it because it worked for a long time in politics. But the science got involved and people realized that they told us people were going to die with every single thing. Net neutrality. People are going to die if we repeal net neutrality. Trump. People are going to die if we elect Trump. You know, vaccine, everything. You're all going to die. That's the point. January 6th, people are going to die. We don't. It's stupid. And this worked for a long time. But in the arcade of life, the whole fear-mongering people are going to die thing has just run out of quarters. (laughs) 
Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Some of you might have saw me on Greg Gutfeld's show last night. Right here on the Fox News Channel, the reason Greg's show is killing it in the ratings, obviously one is because he has me on every week. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Stop it. But I do love going on just about every week. I will not be on next week. I'll be on vacation. But uh, one of the reasons it really is working is because it doesn't take itself seriously. We make fun of each other all the time, uh, and we also... Uh, love the people watching. We don't have this condescending worldview that people who don't agree with us politically are somehow lesser thans. I bring this up because Stephen Colbert last night, uh, who is about as funny as an orphanage on fire on Christmas Day, uh, had Wanda Sykes on. It's also criminally unfunny, just a social justice pandering jackass. But she was talking about abortion and said, the problem is the middle, co- the middle states in this country, they're the problem. Listen to Wanda. Take it away, 15. The problem is that middle stuff. It's, it's those states in the middle, that, that, that red stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to tell us what to do when the majority of us live out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap, really? I mean, right? Yeah. We, we're footing yes. the bill. Well, that's, that's the union. It's, it's yeah. supposed to be representative democracy, but it turns out to be minority rule right now. Right, right. But if we fit in the bill, you know... And, and, and like California, if it were a country, be what, the, like the fifth largest, yeah. fourth, fifth largest economy. So if, you know, if I'm fitting the bill, know your position. What would you do with the brain if you had one? She made a joke because she goes, if I'm paying for dinner, okay, you don't get to say where we're going. Just shut up and eat. And everybody clapped and they were like, yay. That was embarrassing. It was terrible. Okay, the people in the middle of the country have a say, and you guys are geniuses, the people who live in the air quote flyover states where you've got a lower cost of living, you've got space. You know, people in New York like the condescend, they're like, oh, these people with their McMansions. You believe them with their affordable brand new homes, bro? What a bunch of idiots. Me and my friends, seven of us are chipping in for a studio apartment for 8500 a month. Those people think you're stupid. Okay, but those people are living in toilets. Go to a big city like she just said, New York, California. Yeah, you have big population. You know what else you have? Filth and crime. It's disgusting. Okay, and that's why we have an electoral college, because the people in the big cities who don't mind the fact that there's a guy spanking the monkey every time he walk out of his apartment uh, should be running the country for everybody else. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The man you can see on the East Coast at the Stress Factory. Friday night, July 15th, Saturday night, July 16th. Promoting this one like crazy. I never get to do stand-up in Jersey. And I love, I love the Stress Factory. I worked there once when I was first starting out. It's a crazy, awesome club. Vinny Brand runs a class outfit. And uh, I'm going to be there on a Friday night and a Saturday night. You're going to see a lot of my friends, like a lot of local buddies. You're going to probably see Lincoln Fallon if you're on the East Coast. He's going to be there Saturday night. 
Uh, you might even see my mom. My mom might be in the area. It's going to be rowdy. Uh, so if you're on the East Coast, you want to hang out with your radio buddy, Friday night, July 15th, Saturday night, July 16th. Tickets at newbrunswick.stressfactory.com. Uh, right now, though, we're not talking comedy. Uh, although, I got to be honest, man. The Biden presidency, if you've been following it, you know, just for the comedic entertainment, like the bike rides and the quits talking in the middle of a sentence. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, we have a president that is clearly not all there. Yeah. If you're watching it for entertainment, it's actually not that bad. It's a pretty fun presidency. Uh, but sadly. You know, we're in a position right now as a country that, you know, is not a laughing matter for a lot of people. I yuck it up because it's a coping mechanism. That's what humor does. It's a way to take the power away from your torments for a few moments at a time. But what the Democrats are really benefiting from, uh, especially, you know, when it comes to their coverage in the media, is number one, an indifference to real time suffering, uh, you know, in the country, meaning we're not getting a lot of coverage about inflation which is going to harm a lot more lives this year than the abortion issue because abortion isn't going away in any of the blue states. Okay, we're getting a lot more you know, coverage about abortion than, oh, I don't know, the 35-year spike in murders or the all-time high in fentanyl overdose deaths. But all the way at the very back of the newspaper, something that's not even making the paper, like those stories will get coverage you know, every four or five days in what the late, great Rush Limbaugh would call a random act of journalism. You know, someone in the media, the drive-bys, as Rush would call them, One of the drive-bys would show some intellectual curiosity and report on something that was genuinely worth reporting. Well, right now, there is a dereliction of duty when it comes to reporting on Joe Biden and his son Hunter's business dealings in Ukraine and China. Hunter's a dirtbag. I don't know if you caught this, but I mean, not to get too far off message today, but I want to talk about this for a little bit. We get a voicemail that surfaces yesterday where Biden calls up his son Hunter. In the aftermath of a story in the New York Times about Hunter's business dealings, leaves Hunter a voicemail and says, you know, hey, man, it's your dad. Uh, I just read the New York Times article. Looks like you're in the clear. Okay, in the clear is a very fancy way of saying you might not have been in the clear. I admire your honesty. You might have been in a lot of trouble with the law if this was reported differently. That's true. That is true. And the reason I draw your attention to this is if you remember On the campaign trail, okay, the media, of course, they interfered in the election. I'm not saying that as like a Republican activist. I'm not saying it as a stop the steal guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to go watch 2,000 Mules. You're allowed to watch it. I watched it. I didn't think there's anything there that would change the outcome of the election, but I think we can all agree in watching it. Uh, Ballot harvesting, bad. (laughs) There's a lot of chicanery going on there, and uh, there's no way you could watch that film and be like, oh, yeah, this is all on the level. There's no way you could. It's like Bill Barr has told me on this show and off the air. There was fraud in the 2020 election. Maybe not on the level Donald Trump was being told. Maybe not on the level that swung it on the back end. But there was enough front end chicanery where they were changing laws at the state legislature level. In some instances, working around the state legislatures uh, that allowed them to juice turnout and create scenarios like the one you saw in 2000 Mules, where people appear to be dropping off votes for other people, which technically isn't entirely legal in every state in the country. So, yes, there is chicanery, but there's no bigger form of election interference than what they did in the run up to the actual election 
in burying the Hunter Biden laptop story, a story that was corroborated by his living, breathing business partners who flat out said that not only was Joe Biden lying when he said he didn't know anything about Hunter's business deals, but that he was getting a 10 percent kickback on the business. Are you the big man, Joe? That was the allegation from Tony Bobulinski. Now, understand, okay, it's almost cliche to point it out. But if there were real business partners coming forward to say Trump kids were selling access to the government overseas, the dad was involved in getting a 10 percent kickback, whole country would be on fire. OK, we let the country on fire for three years with no proof, with no corroboration that the Trumps were up to no good in Russia. They were still willing to cover it every day for three years. OK, in this instance, we get verified, verified emails from Hunter Biden's laptop. The FBI, the director of national intelligence, verifies in the run-up to the election that this is legitimate content. And the media says, no, can't share it. You're not allowed. The media is a bunch of losers. What they are is they're activists masquerading as journalists. And you understand as a liberal, you find that convenient because you're like, well, my guy's a liberal. They're not going to throw the challenge flag on anything he does bad. This is a win for me, but it's not a win for you. Because you understand if your president is compromised, you're compromised. Yeah, you won the election, but you lose in the long haul, okay? Because right now we have a guy in office who has no business being in there. When you look at the polling and it tells you 15% of Democratic voters would have changed their vote if they knew the Hunter Biden story, you're talking about 12 or 13 million votes in an election that was decided by about 50,000 votes. Joe Biden would not be a president if we reported the Hunter Biden story. Now, they can give me whatever garbage justification. It was Russian disinformation. They know that's not true. The DNI and the FBI corroborated this before the election. So they knew before the election that it wasn't Russian disinformation. But again, the Washington Post, the New York Times, in the run-up to the election, they published lengthy exposés explaining why they couldn't cover Hunter Biden. You know, because all the intelligence officials who told them there was Russian collusion for three years only to come up empty were now telling them this was Russian disinformation. So we couldn't report on it. Lo and behold, months after the election was over, what did The Washington Post and The New York Times do? They published articles saying, yeah, turns out the whole Hunter Biden thing was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But a real media that cared about the country that was demonstrating some intellectual curiosity would know that they're sitting on the story of the century right now. So Joe Biden up and down and sideways during the run up to 2020 said, I knew nothing about my son's business dealings, which is absurd. His kid once flew to China on Air Force Two. Now, you know, and I know if your dad lets you borrow the car, there is at least a cursory ask of where you're going tonight with the car. Are you going to tell me there's a world where dad gives you Air Force Two and doesn't have a couple of questions about where you're going but that's what they want you to believe with a straight face. Now nah, my son just flew to China on Air Force Two. I, wasn't, I didn't even know what he was up to. Come on, man. But anyway, we now know through pictures that have surfaced that showed Biden meeting Hunter's pals at Cafe Milano in D.C., through emails that have surfaced in which Hunter is being thanked for introducing Joe to Hunter's business partners, and now through a voicemail that Joe Biden left for Hunter Biden about the story regarding his business interest in China. Here is Biden. This is a voicemail from Biden to Hunter, okay, about the article in the New York Times. This is clip 29. Hey, Palace Dad, it's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, is going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think you're clear. And... Uh, 
Anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. And, you know, I actually hate the voyeuristic quality of journalism where I'm listening to their voicemail and it's a dad and his son, uh, mainly because I could never play my mess- messages to Lincoln because there's too many expletives. <laughs> Listen, you Pete. No, it's funny. But that's him saying, I thought the article released online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think you're clear. I think you're clear. Meaning there was a world where if this was reported differently, you weren't clear. This is significant for reason number one, which is that it infers that there was the potential for them to acknowledge wrongdoing. But number two, because Joe Biden told us on multiple occasions he had no idea about Hunter's business dealings. Understand that this voicemail you just listened to was recorded a full two years before Biden denied knowing anything about Hunter's business dealings. I'll play you the clips. Here's Peter Ducey, September 21st, 2019. It's clip 30. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. You're a bald-faced liar, a liar. I mean, that's a major league lie. There is, again, I just played you a voicemail of him calling his son, leaving a voicemail. I think you're clear. How would he know what's there to be clear of if you've never discussed his businesses? Here's Miranda Devine. She wrote the book Laptop from Hell. She was on with Tucker last night. Uh, Programming note there, I will be on Tucker tomorrow night. I'll be on with the great Dana Perino uh, tomorrow night on the Tucker Carlson show. But tonight, uh, last night, Miranda was on, and she states the obvious, that the Biden voicemail is more proof that he was involved in the kids' business activities. Clip 31. It again just puts the lie to Joe Biden's repeated insistence that he knew nothing about Hunter's overseas business dealings. In fact, he was intimately involved. And you hear with his own voice where he says to his son about this New York Times uh, story, uh, you know, I think you're clear as in uh, you're out of trouble This is, um, you know, at least evidence of some sort of guilty knowledge. And um, what it shows is that they were in trouble because the New York Times had come very close to the story about the the whole Biden family, Hunter, Joe and his brother, uh, Uncle Jim Biden, their involvement with this Chinese energy company. Think about that. The New York Times had written previously about Biden's business dealings. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. And Miranda Devine goes on to say there are text messages that show Hunter Biden's lawyer was urging the New York Times not to mention Joe Biden. Here it is, clip 32. And there are texts showing that Hunter is panicking about this. Uh, His lawyer tells him, don't worry, I've hosed down the New York Times. I've been talking to the reporter and they're not going to mention Joe. And then uh, after the story comes out, Hunter's very relieved and he tells his lawyer, uh, well, you did an amazing job of turning it into a big fat nothing. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Bottom line, okay, the media covered for the Bidens. And I'm telling you, if you're a liberal listening, you're welcome. You're my teammate. I don't root against anybody on this show. If you're listening for the first time, it's just a talk show host, man. I don't care. You can vote differently than me. That's the whole point of America is we don't have to agree. And this idea that anybody who doesn't think the way we do is an enemy 
is why the country's going to hell. We can't compromise. We can't work together because, like, what am I going to work with these Republican white supremacists for? Because that's how we're depicted. And a lot of Republicans would just call you commies and you want to destroy America. That's how you depict it. What incentive do we have to work together? I don't agree with that portrayal of America. But you understand if we really are all in this together, if we really are teammates, we root for country bigger than we root for party. Our country is being failed when the media is not holding people in power accountable. And not only in this instance are they looking the other way, but they're helping to make the public look the other way, too. It's disgusting. Uh, Alex is patiently listening. He's out in Brooklyn. Uh, wanted to discuss. Yo, Alex. Yeah, hey, Jimmy. I, I'm so excited to be on your program oh, because you were the first radio show that I listened to, and that was on November 4th of 2020. Whoa. And since then, I've been calling in like numerous times, but I never got on with you. And oh, I think on. it's because my comments were just too serious. Oh, you but, stop <laughs> it. You're always welcome on the show. I think that's what it was. Uh, no, I am amazed um, that you've lasted from November till now. Most people quit after like three days. Give yourself a medal for that. I'm kidding. Yeah, and I, I got to say your call screener is a lot of fun. I don't know if he's the same one from last year, but I had so many debates with him about, oh, no. you know, <laughs> he would he would argue back with me and it would be like five minute debate. And then he'd say, uh, I got to put you on hold and then I'd wait till the end of the show. And uh, <laughs> Oh, no, that them. might have been the last guy. That doesn't sound like Mikey. Mikey's a bad third base coach. He always sends the runner. I, have you I heard Linda from France? Linda from France gets on all the time. She's half in the bag. But continue. Yeah, I'm but she's, she's at least uh, funny. Um, so this, <laughs> I thought, was maybe funny. So the thing is, you can maybe use it in Gottfeld. Um, so the Democrats don't like the law abiding citizens. They like the law, letter A, Biden, <laughs> like hunter citizens. <laughs> so I don't know if that sounded so good, but maybe yeah. it can be spiced up in some ways. So but you're saying they kind of cater to the criminal element more than they cater to the people who respect the law and order of the country. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's true, they, man. They like to make the laws. They don't want to enforce the laws because the, the, only the law-abiding citizens follow the laws when you don't enforce them. So yep. they want the criminals. Yes. People do what they want. No, listen, you're definitely onto something there. Like, if you live in Brooklyn, you know, you live in New York, if you're in this area, okay, you know how bad, like, the quality of life compromise in New York, it really is, like, disgusting. And the idea that, like, people like Stephen Colbert and Wanda Sykes are lecturing the rest of the country, you know, the rest of the country is going to the bathroom indoors. The rest of the country is fondling themselves indoors. They're not doing what we're doing. And that's what we see what we see every day. Oh, my God, I know. The things that we've normalized, you know, because we're just used to seeing it, but it doesn't make it okay. And that's why we do have an electoral college. So people in these big concentrations of population don't get to speak for everybody else because nobody else wants to live like this, you know? Yeah. You get it. Well, listen, I personally am okay. glad you made it past the call screener, and I'll tell Mikey to go easy on you next time. I mean, I'm shocked okay. that you've had any issues. I enjoyed the debates. I enjoyed the debates <laughs> I had with him. But uh... <laughs> well, We're going to dangle him off the building by his ankles like it's New Jack City. We do that once in a while just to get him to you know straighten up a little bit. So we owe you this, Alex. Uh, let's do it again soon, all right, brother? Alex makes good points. I don't know if it was Mikey or the last call screener. Mikey, I mean, are you that aggressive with the callers? You could defend yourself if you want to jump in here quick. I wouldn't say aggressive. I mean, I say spirited. Yeah, spirited. It depends on the caller. I mean, I'm pretty chill, as Josh can attest to, with uh-huh. a lot of them. But, you know, I will push back for sure. You know, Listen, well, fair. you got to stand your ground. You know, we're running a class operation here at Fox Across America. This is a classy show. Wrong. All right, whatever. But the point is... Uh, The point is, okay, 
everybody, if you do call, you don't have to agree. Like Alex and I were kind of in agreement that, you know, there is this appetite to create law in the Democratic Party that doesn't correlate with an appetite to enforce law in the Democratic Party. Tell them like it is. And that's why there's such a decline in the quality of life where we live here on the East Coast in New York City. But when it comes to the media, when it comes back to the Biden thing, okay, understand there is a lot of physical proof here that says we were lied to by Joe Biden. Okay, if he lied about knowing what his son's business interests were, then chances are he was also lying when he said he didn't get any of the money. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Big hour coming up on the other side of this. Jessica Tarlaw, Democratic strategist. I'm telling you, all are welcome. Plus Ben Dominich, who has a special out on Fox Nation about overturning Roe versus Wade. So you're definitely going to get the yin and the yang because Jessica Tarloff, who's a good friend of mine, uh, despite our political differences, is probably going to tell you abortion should be legal up until the eighth grade. Uh, and then, of course, Ben Dominich is going to tell you the opposite, to choose life. Uh, to, at the very least, impose stricter limits on abortion uh, here in America. Uh, But one way or the other, I do want you to hear from both sides because my job isn't to convince you. My job is to let you think for yourself. We do something on this show. It's kind of old school, uh, but it's called freedom, or as Ted Cruz would call it. Freedom! Okay, it's all we need to get back to, man. The country is as big of a mess as it is. One of the reasons it's such a mess is we just need to get off the throttle a little bit. You know, that's the real problem. You know, the, every life in this country is, on the whole, so good. But we're spending so much time fighting politically. We're too connected on social media. You know, there's so much convenience in our lives, but it's become inconvenient because we never get time apart. You know, when the kids are on the playground for too long and they get hot, they start telling on each other. You say, we got to go get some ice cream. That's what this country needs. We need to go get ice cream. Not just Joe Biden. We all need ice cream. <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are fired up for a big hour of this show. An embarrassment of radio riches, if you will. Ben Dominich is going to be here. He's a Fox News contributor, as pro-life as they come. We're also going to chat with Jessica Tarloff. She herself, a new mom, uh, but also a Democrat. And uh, part of the complete ideological opposite wing of Ben Dominich, but one of the joys of Fox Across America is it's a place where really anybody can be anything. I say it every day. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what you believe. And I think the country would benefit so much if we could actually talk across the aisle and get back to a place that prioritizes the greater good as opposed to one political party or another. Again, putting party over country has really ruined this place. He knows what he's talking about. That's where we are right now, okay? One party doesn't acknowledge any fault because they don't want it to be politically detrimental. You know, the other party pounds them for it, and it goes back and forth. Whenever the two parties trade power, they trade playbooks, okay? There were a lot of Republicans who told you Trump never did anything wrong. Come on, that's not true, okay? But he was head and shoulders better for our country 
than Joe Biden happens to be as a president. I agree with that. Joe Biden really might be the worst president in the history of the country. But again, we spent three years yelling about Trump's pretend relationship with Russia. We had a booming economy. We didn't have inflation. We didn't have the border crisis. Okay, we didn't have unaffordable gas. Now we do. And most of the media doesn't acknowledge these things. They want you to watch, you know, the January 6th hearings are back on today. January 6th was bad. I condemned it on the air in real time. You can't overthrow the government in the Chewbacca bikini, that lunatic in that fur hat. Bad. Not good. Okay, but it wasn't what the Democrats tried to repurpose it as, which was a deadly white supremacist insurrection. Okay, that's not what it was. The only person who died on January 6th, as heinous as it was, was an unarmed Trump supporter named Ashley Babbitt. But today, as they're flailing to get ratings for this thing, the court has just announced a surprise witness. Dun, dun, dun. Dude, this isn't even a trial now. It's an episode of The Masked Singer. We have a tune into the January 6th hearings and we'll find out who the masked witness is. Who could it be? Is it a family member? Is it a staffer at Mar-a-Lago? Is it a former administration official? Find out on the masked January 6th singer. What the hell is the world coming to? It's so stupid. Okay, Betsy Woodruff from Politico. Let all the air out of the balloon. She was on MSNBC. They'll probably never book her again. Flat out said, nobody cares about the January 6th committee, including Democrats. This is clip 40. I've talked to two separate Democratic members of Congress in the last couple of weeks about January 6th. Obviously can't say who. And, and both of them have said offhandedly, nobody gives a bleep about January 6th when they're talking about their districts and the way that elections play out. Nobody. Did you hear that? Democrats know that nobody cares about January 6th and elections and the way they play out. Why? Because we all knew it was bad then. You're not telling us anything new now. This is just what? Democrats trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. I got to be honest with you. Donald Trump's going to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. The Republican Party wants to move on. I'd bet anybody listening, I don't even think he's going to run. I Honestly, I don't think he's going to run. I think he just cemented his legacy in terms of reshaping the country. The Supreme Court just ruled in favor of gun owners and ruled in favor of pro-life America. As a president, you can't really be of more consequence than Donald Trump was. I think he's actually going to realize how consequential his presidency was in terms of fighting and reshaping the country in the image he wanted it in, in the image the conservative movement wanted it in, that I think he can just claim victory and go hit some more golf balls. But regardless of what he does, here's more Betsy Woodruff flat out saying it's not going to move the needle politically. This is clip 41. It's not a top-tier voting issue for people who are figuring out who they're going to support during the midterms. Top-tier issues are material concerns. How are people paying their mortgages? How much does it cost to get milk and bread? How much does it cost to get gas? Do these hearings result in different electoral outcomes for Democrats? I have yet to see any actual evidence that they do. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, that's reality. Okay, in another America, these hearings would have a bigger impact But right now, Biden sucks. People don't have the luxury of focusing on what happened on January the 6th, 2020. They think it's bad. They all agree. You don't have to convince them of that. But if you can't afford gas, if you can't afford goods, if you don't feel safe going to the store, 
this isn't really something you're going to vote on. It's like climate change. Climate change is such white privilege, elite nonsense. If you live in a poor minority community, you're getting shot out on the way to the grocery store. You don't really care what the weather's going to be like in 50 years. You know, you're trying to come up with your next 50 cents. You're trying to come up with your next 50 bucks so you can get a gallon of gas. You're not really looking down the road at white liberal elite climate change. But that's all it is. And that's why this is a loser. That's why you're hearing stories about Gavin Newsom is now buying ads down in Florida because he wants to run for president in the year 2020. Gavin Newsom, the Democrats, have you believe that Gavin Newsom is going to be your next president? Not even close. Gavin Newsom has no chance. Yo, California is disgusting. It's disgusting. If you go there, there's nothing else I can say. It is disgusting. I'll be there. I'll be on the Santa Monica Pier this Saturday. If you're in the hood, you want to come hang out. I'm filming something for the 4th of July special. I'll be there. I like I like going. I've got friends out there, but it saddens me to see what the place has become. And if you think the guy who turned it into what it is is going to convince the rest of the country that they want to live that way too, I'm just telling you, you're as dumb as he is. It's a mess right now. We're going to get into it, though. We're going to get into that. We're also we got to talk abortion with my good buddy Jessica Tarloff is coming by. She just got off the outnumbered couch. We're going to have a grown up talk about that and the political ramifications and everything in between. But what you need to understand is the whole point of this show, the whole point. You might be like, oh, I don't agree with her. How dare you have her on? What are you, some kind of rhino? No, I'm a talk show host. I don't care what people think. People who are good people who care about this country are welcome here. Every single one of you. You can call up and disagree for the next three hours. It'd be great. It'd be good entertainment. Okay, this is not the agree with me or you're an idiot radio program. Okay, nor is it going to become that. Because the problem in this country right now is we all turned into a bunch of fat screaming children. Like it's our fifth birthday party. Somebody doesn't want to play Duck, Duck, Goose. So we're like, Mom, get him out of here. And, of course, at my fifth birthday party, we were probably playing Duck, Duck, Grey Goose, if we're being honest. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. I disagree. It has served me perfectly, and it will continue to serve me. When we come back, Jessica Tarloff joins us on Fox Across America. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And as you know, uh, the Supreme Court acted to overturn Roe vs. Wade on Friday. And our relations between Republicans and Democrats have just been so harmonious in the aftermath. I just wanted to bask in some of this feel-goodery. Yeah. So joining me now on the show, uh, Democratic strategist, Fox News contributor, my dear friend. I, I mean, we're, it goes beyond you and me now. Now we have spouses involved. Jessica yeah. Tarloff is here. We got here. the whole crew. Now you just can't leave. You know, in the, mo- in the, in the movie Bronx Tale, now you just can't leave. <laughs> now we're in too deep. We got Jenny and Brian involved. There's a lot going on. There's plenty going on. I mean, we haven't had the... When is Lincoln going to start babysitting Cleo conversation? Though I, I'm not sure that I actually want that. No. I, no one even asked me to babysit, let alone Lincoln. He might be better than I was. You know what's funny? Jenny grew up on a farm. And back then, if you were like a 10-year-old kid, you did get babysitting work back Oh, then. yeah. They also learned how to drive at like 12. Tractors or actual no, cars? No, they were driving cars. Like they were – it's a different world, you know? Totally. Well, I um, – as you know, I love sports and I – 
I love the personal stories. It really annoys Brian, my husband. He's uh-huh. like, could we focus on like what's happening on the field? And I'm like, do you think his wife is pretty? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I heard that his do, mom. Do you, like... do you tune into the Olympics for the human interest stories? I, they're, they're always good so stories. I know, but they're always like so intense. The NBA draft. I'm yeah, like, who's gonna cry? Yeah. Like, let's have it. But, but the uh, Olympics are always like, this guy stepped on a landmine. <laughs> this guy was fleeing sniper fire. Totally, but that's. Um, with the raising kids, you hear about all these families that have like six, seven kids, and then you're like, James Harden raised four kids. Yes. Right? And you, got himself to practice you, and then to the NBA. I mean, it's just amazing. You ultimately go Kevin from Durant kid to and, In a big yeah. enough family, you go from kid to parent. Like yeah. That's, that's what happens. Like Because if, if you have a – I'll give you an example. I'm the youngest of four kids. Like by the time I came around, my parents were done parenting. Right. You know what I mean? Like my siblings were kind of in charge. Yeah. But I still like leave my my house on a bicycle on a Tuesday and come back on like a Friday. They didn't even know. Yeah, I don't think I met my dad until I was 13. He's like, oh, I had another one. I had no idea. <laughs> it was just crazy. It was a different world. Um, but right now we're not talking about keeping the kids, Jessica. We're talking about in some instances aborting the pregnancy, which has been a very hot-button issue. Yeah. This is what I wanted to ask. This is not a you thing. You are as well-informed on this issue as anyone I've ever discussed it with, and I don't think anybody can contradict that statement. But I don't feel like – tell me what you think of this. I don't feel like everybody is engaged in an informed debate. What I mean by that, and maybe you can say I'm ill-informed in saying this, is I think the reaction to the SCOTUS ruling was that we banned abortion – when in truth, what we did is sent it back to the states for each right. individual state to have a voice. I mean, we would agree that's where we are to start, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, you get that. I get that. But I think a lot of people are reacting to this as if it was banned and they're out to get women, which I don't think is fair. Do you think that's kind of a you know a negligent a portrayal? Big, so mm-hmm. there is misinformation or not having enough information and it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And there's not having enough information and it's somebody else's fault. Uh-huh. And both of those things are at play. Uh-huh. So I think a lot of people didn't want to do the lifting mm-hmm. to actually understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I think that unfortunately what happened is that the Dobbs ruling just sent us into utter chaos mm-hmm. because the individual state's rules on this are so unclear in yeah. some cases. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we have uh, – Trigger rules in 13 to 26 states. Well, that's a range, right? We have heartbeat bills to 15-week bans. Mm -hmm. We have no exceptions for rape or incest in 11 states. But no, that's not really – no one would ever allegedly refuse care for – like – yeah. How are what's going on with IVF? I mean, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. I found out. So I froze my eggs mm-hmm. uh, right before I turned 35. I had mm-hmm. a boyfriend. We all knew it wasn't going to work out. My mom was like, <laughs> "Let me pay for this, like just to make sure that I end up with grandkids." And so, but at least you didn't have that wedding where everybody's in the church. Like, really? We've all been to that in wedding in the synagogue, my yeah. friend. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I would have never gotten married in a religious uh, institution anyway. But mm-hmm. so I, I don't have embryos. I just have eggs. But Embryo banks, since the leaked decision, have been moving embryos out of conservative states because they are technically fertilized eggs. Uh-huh. And there are some laws that are so loosely written that the assumption is that it is feasible that some lunatic could, could come into office taking control of the state legislature or whatever it is and start treating each of those fertilized embryos as persons. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. but that's confusing stuff. I definitely right? I think it's very confusing. But I so what I'm trying to do from the from the tippy top, I think, is start with the big box things. If you live in a blue state, abortion's not going away. 
which is fascinating because that's where most of the it's protests been are taking place. Like in Virginia, it's mm-hmm. going down to 15 weeks. But 15 when there was is no... beyond most of Europe. It's so a it's... European standard. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, I would be over mm-hmm. the effing moon yeah. if we had a federal abortion protection <laughs> plan at 15 weeks. You'd sign so- for that. I would take – we take anything now when you think about (laughs) – Well, no, but what I think is like if we wanted to solve this issue, let's do this because we could debate the merits of everything. But me and you are in agreement that we want to see society move forward. Um, I I am in favor of limitations to abortion, which doesn't mean you can't have one. It means – you know, if the baby's not viable outside of the mom, obviously, I wouldn't so support that. So you're like a 20-week guy? If No, I'm like, I think 15 is reasonable if the baby could feel pain. I mean, it's not viable at that point. But I know a lot of pro-life listeners are saying, like, you know, begins at conception. I don't, I just don't think that's realistic in this day and age. Like, I don't think I could get on the radio and say to people that the whole country is going to sign. Because I think if you looked at where the country's polling, maybe mm-hmm. you'd sign for this. I think the country is in favor of abortion with limitations. Yeah. So if we could sign, like you said, a federal would be 15, a 15 week federal protection you'd sign for. Um, would you would you sign for a six for a heartbeat? No, would, no, you well, it's also not actually a heartbeat like mm-hmm. the heart hasn't developed. It's cardiac activity. OK, I mean, this is like what bothers me is that so many times we hear and, and we're at fault for this, like. Neither of us are doctors, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm a PhD. That's a fake doctor, mm-hmm. right? Like, not, and you're... Not according to Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she said Jill Biden could be Surgeon General. That's That was an error. <laughs> <laughs> um, Continue. But you need professionals to be talking about these issues because there are so many, especially when it comes to reproductive health care, and, and uh-huh. you went through a pregnancy with Jenny, uh-huh. and I'm sure like every other soon-to-be dad, you were concerned constantly like every little thing that went wrong or you thought Mm -hmm. is that you know down to preeclampsia gestational diabetes like whatever it could happen you went to all the appointments you Mm -hmm. watched the sonograms all that and you saw what a toll it takes on a woman's body also Mm -hmm. this isn't just like telling us we have to walk five blocks right like this is growing a human Mm -hmm. and a lot can go wrong and there's so much concern even from pro-life women who would say we're moderate republicans obviously mm-hmm. not like religious right mm-hmm. who are saying uh we had i had miscarriages where the treatment for that is abortion yeah and there are maniacs out there i mean there was one guy he ended up taking it back but a legislator i think in ohio who said something about re-implanting an ectopic pregnancy god you know yeah, the, I, like uh, the extreme sides of either of these debates are not for me. I consider you and me like it's scary to say that we're adults in the room, but we're, but we're the only people in this room. Yeah, well, so. we're the only ones. So in this room, we're technically all the adults. And we're we're rule this room. We're talking to Jessica Tarloff. If you're just joining us, we got three minutes. We got to make them count. JT, what I what I think is I think where the country I think where the country is at. OK, is abortion with strict limits. You know, that's where I think the country is at. When I say strict limits, I'm saying 15 weeks, I think, is where the country is at. Like if I was governing and you and me were governing, I'm not I'm taking my personal feelings out of it and just taking a how do we turn this into a we're not rioting in the streets. We're not blowing up pro-life centers. Like let's make some lemonade. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what we (laughs) got to do. Let's make some baby lemonade. I'm trying to make some lemonade here, some formula, (laughs) if you will. We actually need formula a lot more than we need lemonade. If anyone is listening and you have Enfamil Gentilies, send it to my house. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. But it's but it's true. And I think instead of like, you know, spending two weeks calling Uncle Uncle Clarence, you know, Uncle Clarence, instead of calling him Clarence Thomas, I think there's a better, more productive path to go. But 
there's something about us now that got to this place of absolutes in society where we don't actually want to compromise. Like, I feel like the abortion side wants everything they want, abortion on demand. That's what I'm hearing from leaders. I'm hearing open abortion clinics on federal lands from AOC. Not that she's an adult in the room. I'm hearing Stacey Abrams say unlimited abortion on demand. I don't think those are tenable positions. Just the same as I don't think the Republican position of no abortion in some states is tenable in most of the country. Of course not. So if we were just politicians, we're in the room, we're hashing it out. I represent the right, you represent the left. What is the proposal? I think the proposal is some national protection at 15, 16, you know, 16 weeks is a round number. It's four months. Okay. And then states do with it what you will. Okay. But making sure that the federal government is able to have oversight to ensure that women can have access in these conservative states because we've already seen clamping down on the pill that can get sent, you know, up to 70 days. You can take a methotrexate, Mm -hmm. I think it's called. So I think that's where you start. But this is what pisses me off. Like people are out there criticizing Chris Murphy and Kirsten Cinema for uh-huh. their gun control package. Mm-hmm. Like you got Republicans to sign a gun control package. Like even if it's just mental health yeah, and you school safety. You can't like, let perfect get in the way of better. That's reality. Yes. So, so us, and incrementalism wins. Us, us as legislatures, that's why I think we, we just, have a winning plan. It's done. That's why they're making us go to commercial. You're not Goodbye. supposed to solve problems in this day and age. They wanted a fight. We've both just been fired yeah. live on air. <laughs> Get out of here, you commie. Who signed up? Who booked this gal? I didn't want this. Great talk, JT. Check out Jessica Tarloff all over the Fox News channel. She is the best of the best. We're back after this. What would you do with a brain if you had one? That is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pushing to open abortion clinics on federal lands. I personally, I don't agree, but this next guest is a huge fan of AOC. I don't know how he's going to spin this one. He is, of course, a Fox News contributor. <laughs> His new special, Overturning Row, is on Fox Nation. Ben Dominich is here. Hey, man. You know, uh, AOC is probably, you know, I mean, she, she is probably the best looking of the Democrats, which is a very low bar. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe people have like a an Ilhan Omar kind of you know thing or something like that. But like, I mean, that's about. I'm trying to find some kind of positive thing to say about her. You were She's trying to play along that you were, <laughs> you were. You were trying to play along that you were really a friend. Thank you for trying to yeah, dignify yeah, my I mean, joke. No, I'll, I'll, I will say this. Uh, if I had to choose between being at a a dinner table uh, or a bar uh, for 15 minutes with one person, I would definitely choose AOC over Nancy Pelosi. Let's say that, okay? <laughs> That's about the nicest thing I could say about that because I think that AOC, at the end of the day, she would only start screaming at me after 15 minutes, whereas Nancy Pelosi might elbow me off of my bar stool within, like, the first 30 seconds like she did to that poor kid. Well, Myra Flores' daughter getting checked like she's oh in the God. Stanley Cup finals. What is what is wrong with her? Why would she do something like that? But, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's just one of these things where, you know, uh, you're dealing with various gradations of how horrible is this going to be. So, um, well, look, I, I, I have to say, when it comes to this, like, we're going to put abortion clinics on federal land mm-hmm. kind of thing, 
I don't think they've really thought this through. Is their answer really going to be, you know, well, if you want an abortion in the West, just uh, drive to Yellowstone, <laughs> you know, and, and we'll take care of you there. I'm telling you, I there's mean, a movie, National Lampoon's <laughs> Abortion Vacation. We're going to have Chevy Chase in the family truckster. Got to get, get to Wally World. <laughs> sorry, so, no, sorry it, folks. Just... Abortion's closed. Moose out front should have told you. <laughs> no, but see, here's the thing. Uh-huh. You know, they – they really did not think this through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pro-abortion left really did adopt the perspective that said, uh, you know, this is going to be around forever. We don't really have to worry about this. You know, and even if they got you know, passionate about these various uh, judicial appointments, their attitude really was, we don't need to change anything about our messaging or what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And what America has learned is that, you know what, these, these people seem pretty whacked out and extreme yeah. you know we, we don't actually agree with them on this you know yeah. and and sure you know we have you know deeply held moral beliefs when it comes to uh you know the young woman who is facing the prospect of bearing the child of, of a rapist or or incest or facing you know the the threat to their life if they have serious medical problems mm-hmm. but that is such a small percentage of abortions mm-hmm. the fact is 95% of abortions are elective, and that's always been the case. And it's something that they have really never wrestled with as a movement. And instead, they've just adopted this attitude of, uh, you know, shout your abortion. Just yeah. shout it out. Be, be proud of it. You know, there is no moral question there. It's just a clump of cells. And even as technology and everything else showed us that these are babies who can feel actual pain and consequences and everything like that, they never change their rhetoric. And the consequence of that at this moment is that for all of the shrieking of MSNBC and CNN and these lunatics that they put on air who say things that are completely out of touch with reality, Mm -hmm. uh, the American people are looking at this and basically saying, yeah, okay, well, we can decide this for ourselves. And, you know, guess what? Trust the people. Be be confident in the ability of the American people to make decisions for themselves in their states through representative democracy. And guess what? They're going to come to different conclusions. They're going to have different limits. They're going to have uh, different restrictions in place. But here's the thing that we know. Just by removing this from the level of a national policy under Roe, uh, you know, submitted through the Supreme Court. What that has done is it has made people question the morality of this decision mm-hmm. in ways that I think are going to eradicate basically a huge number of abortions that would still be legally allowed in most states. Yep. Because I think people are looking at this and saying, you know what, if this is not actually something we all agree on, maybe I should consider the consequences of my actions. That's a really great point. We're talking to Ben Dominich. His new special, Overturning Roe, is on Fox Nation right now. It is there right now. Well, I think that's the biggest challenge for the left is the lie they've told about what the overturning of Roe constitutes has put them in an Mm -hmm. untenable position politically because they're out there telling people things they know not to be true. Abortion wasn't just criminalized. And if you live in a blue state, it's not going anywhere. And that's what's so fascinating is all of these protests are taking place in states that aren't going to have an issue, you know? They're blocking traffic in Los Angeles. (laughs) It's like, like, what's wrong with you? Nothing's changing there. This is your side. They might just, like, give out abortion 
flourishing like it's gummy yeah, bears. You're starting I mean, a <laughs> yeah. You're, you're starting a Yankee suck chant in the Bronx. Like no, no. <laughs> this, this is your team. No, it's 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 just uh, Jimmy. It's just absurd, and it reveals how much this whole thing and everything around it has been uh, advocated for through a a portion of fiction, mm-hmm. where they basically said. Getting rid of Roe means abortion is going to be banned and we become Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And the reaction, of course, is is no, that's not true. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Uh, you know, they have to bring all these other things in. Oh, we, you're going to put t- uh, women who have miscarriages in jail. Guess what? My wife has had two miscarriages. She's been very public about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that is not something that is going to happen. You yeah. are lying to us. Yes. Okay. And so, and so, the idea that we would go through this whole process and have, uh, you know, a result that is going to be some kind of Taliban esque reality is just not true. It never was. Instead. This is a decision that has faith in democracy, the ability of people to make determinations for themselves, the ability of states to have different levels in terms of their reaction to this. And guess what? That's what most of the world is like. We should embrace that. We should understand it. And for pro-lifers like me, we should start being able to make the argument that says, look, I know that you have a limit that's at 15 weeks or 12 weeks or what have you. Mm -hmm. Maybe think about why is a child a child at this week and not at the previous week? Yeah. Why is a child when, you know, it's at this level of formation and not this previous level of formation? And then we can have an argument. We can have an argument within America about, like, when do we consider these lives to be precious and protected, deserving of rights under the law, or do we consider them to be something that can be disposed of. And from my perspective, that's an argument that I am eager for, and it took getting rid of Roe to be able to have that argument, which we should have been having all along, except for the short circuit of the last 50 years that took this decision away from the people and turned it into something that was a national policy. And that, you know what that's so so fascinating is because they, they keep saying, you know, this is the death of democracy. It's actually the birth of democracy on this issue. You know, that, uh, Wanda Sykes, I mean, what yeah. an idiot. You know, it's just <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're getting rid of democracy. What? You, you literally just had this restored to being something that a democratic system could decide. Yeah. You have no idea what you're talking about. And this is the thing that, that uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, uh, the, the, that interaction yep. between and Jake Tapper and oh, Boris Johnson. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. That was my favorite. When Boris Johnson's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, American democracy's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake Tapper Tapper's crushed. like, well, but aren't you worried about this, that, or the other? And he's like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> and congrats it's to just... Boris on his final CNN appearance, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> never exactly. No, he's, he's, he's radical. He's basically a proud boy now. <laughs> so, so, no, it's, it's just, look, this is the thing, Jimmy. I, I understand that your listeners, like so many listeners of things, have probably different opinions about abortion. But one thing I will, I will just say here is I have faith in the American people deciding the abortion issue for themselves versus, you know, outsourcing it to nine people in robes, yep. particularly nine people in robes in 1973 mm-hmm. who were operating on 1973 science yes. and who thought that, like, a fetus couldn't feel pain. Mm-hmm. And and that's the kind of thing that just, you know, I mean, I don't know if you read the dissent, yep. but the dissent from, from 
which is an amalgamation of, of Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. And you could definitely tell, like, who's writing which portion. Yeah. Kagan uses a lot of parentheticals, and, like, it's very funny yeah. when she writes. Um, uh, Sotomayor is just a bore, yeah. and uh, and Breyer is just a stick in the mud. Like, it, it's, <laughs> you could tell. Um, but one of the things that you get from that is that Breyer really does believe that science hasn't changed about our understanding of the way that human life forms yeah. since 1973. Yeah. He thinks that it's basically stuck in amber. No, Bri- it's like, Breyer wrote his on a typewriter. I'm like, no, oh, we yeah, have internet yeah. now. It's, it's, just like, it's just like, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, do you still use dial-up? <laughs> what is wrong with you? You know, we know this about the way that – have you not seen those GE commercials? Like, what is, what is wrong with you? And so from my perspective, look, we – we are going to look back on this moment, and I think Americans of the future are going to say, why was this so controversial? Mm-hmm. We understood that this is a human life. We have to wrestle with the consequences of that, yep. make a determination about the legal regime that we want, and then move forward. What was wrong with you? And the answer of people like me who will be, you know, uh, have all gray hair and, and hopefully still be around mm-hmm. will be, honestly, I, I can't give you an answer. People just, you know, adopted a lot of partisan perspectives that were not based on reality. Yep. And now we have the reality, and the reality is this is a human life. We have to determine at which point we are going to protect it under law, and then we can move forward. And look, I'll tell you this. Mm -hmm. I cannot thank the folks at Fox enough for uh, doing this documentary with me at Fox nation. They, you know, I pitched it right after the decision leaked. And I said, we had a new unique opportunity to kind of anticipate what was coming down the pike. And they said, that's great. Do it in six weeks. And so we did it. (laughs) And uh, I hope everybody will check it out. It's got some great people in it, including, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, who's the author of the Heartbeat Bill in, in Missouri, uh, Catherine Glenn Foster, the uh, president of AUL, who had an abortion when she was in college, mm-hmm. um, Charles Camosi, who's a pro-life Democrat and an ethicist at, at some of the you know a top-level uh, Catholic institutions in the country. It's got a variety of uh, perspectives, and it really does provide people a, a, a an understanding of why, after 1973, when Roe was decided. People just stood up and they decided this isn't okay. We're not willing to accept this as being the default. And that's what brought us to this point, and it's a good thing. Oh, I, I, I agree 100%, man. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's funny. Really quickly, Jessica Tarloff was on a little while ago. Uh, she would almost be considered a right-wing extremist if she was in elected office as a Democrat because she said she would sign right now. Uh, she prefers a federal protection, but she wants a federal protection capping abortion at 15 weeks. Now, in the party, they don't want that, though. They went from safe, legal, and rare no. to this is now just like something you order off Amazon. You can get, a, you know, you can get abortion prime now. And, you know you what? Know- I, I, didn't, I didn't know that about Jessica. Yeah. That's that's very good to know. Yeah. No, she's a lot more reasonable. I mean, she's not opening anything on federal land. Well, I mean, that would make, basically make her unacceptable, though, to yeah. AOC and people like that. They would just they would just say, well, you're a pro-life extremist. She, no, she's a proud boy. Or, or proud, it's a proud oh, them. You have to call them a proud them now or a proud they. I'm not even sure you could say boy. But no, yeah, they, there yeah. is some reason out there. And I think that's the bigger point. And I think if everybody watches this documentary, they'll understand is that if we were having an informed discussion about abortion, 
Okay, I do believe it would survive as a practice in this country. There's no way it would make it beyond 15 weeks. And I think ultimately, if we had an honest conversation, it wouldn't survive beyond six. Um, yeah. I don't I know you know, where it's going to go, but if, if de- democracy is going to play a role, and I think if science plays any role in that discussion, we're going to be looking at something, I think, more severe than Europe. You know, everybody keeps threatening, oh, we'll go to Europe. Europe's giving you 12 weeks, dude. So you're not picking yeah. up any time on the calendar. <laughs> Somebody ought to tell Billy Joe Armstrong, you know, yeah. you might want to postpone your tour. Uh, oops. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, just come on. <laughs> That's the level of ignorance that we're dealing with. Look, I, I – I completely agree with you, but I would I would just add, there is what the Democratic Party is about to go through is going to be really interesting. Yeah. They are going to get their they're going to get their butts kicked in November. Yep. They're going to have a huge wave election for Republicans. Republicans will probably take the White House back in twenty twenty four, depending on how things play out. And then they're gonna have this moment where they need to reevaluate how extreme are we really going to be. on these issues that prevent people from voting for us. No, it's so true. I think at that point, at that point, there's going to be a need for them to find a new Bill Clinton or somebody like that Mm -hmm. who comes from a place where he's able to say, you know, actually, we need to be tougher on crime. Actually, we need to be able to consider the fiscal situation. And actually, we need to moderate on this issue of abortion, because if we don't, then we will not be a uh, we will not be part of this two party system anymore, and that to me is something that is a a very real possibility, and it gives me hope because it means that we're not going to continue to live in this ridiculous cultural sort where you are not allowed to believe that a life is a life yep. if you li- if you live and work within the Democratic Party. Amen. I agree 100 percent. Well, let's see how National Lampoon's abortion vacation does at the box office. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back after we get those opening numbers. My wife okay? compares me to Clark Griswold all the time, man. I don't know about you. But... <laughs> Let her know. Let her know. Gas up the family truckster. It should only cost you two hundred and ten dollars. We'll do it soon. Thanks, Ben. You're the best. There he goes. The great Ben Dominich. There we go back after this. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Last night, I told you on Gutfeld. The New York City Mayor Eric Adams is considered a waste of space by rank-and-file police officers. No one knows more about those rank-and-file police officers than our next guest, Harold, who calls back from Raleigh, North Carolina. Yo, Harold. How you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Uh-huh. I, that was a very good back-and-forth with Mr. Dominic about abortion. But what I feel to hear Tim or anybody else says is that black women make up 6% of the population over 40% of the abortions, and 80% of the clinics are in the black community. No question. It's it's eugenics. Margaret Sanger wanted eugenics. That's why this was founded, and no one talks about that. Well, 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 Hillary Clinton was, um, she won the Margaret Sanger Award, I believe, a couple of years ago. Sure did. And and, and black people voted for her like she was the second coming of of the Pope. (laughs) But I called to tell you about that meatball mayor that you have who said he, he didn't know that New York City was that bad. Well, maybe he should. Maybe he's really living in Jersey because <laughs> he was borough president for eight years, uh-huh. and uh, it doesn't take doesn't take a blind man to figure out New York City has deteriorated in eight years. Yep. And he just figured it out. So, God bless you. God bless New York. I'm glad my tax dollars don't go there anymore. <laughs> 
And when I come in, I try not to buy anything. I come in and I leave. <laughs> well, I think you got the right attitude because they've really run this place into the ground. And Adams might know that if he wasn't getting bottle service in the nightclubs every night. He's a celebrity mayor. He's not a real mayor. Just like he was a celebrity cop, he was not a cop. Would you agree that he was not a rank-and-file guy doing police work? I can't. Well, let me see. I remember. I, I can't remember him being. Now, now he's riding the trains with an entourage. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I, you nailed and, it. And he tries to relate it to the 80s. No, like he's, we he's full of it. With- I'm with you, Harold. We'll do it again soon. Be well. <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not just get vaccinated moments ago. Elmo did. The children's toy Elmo. What the hell did you just say? The Democrats, uh, the bureaucrats who support them in Washington, just staged a video vaccination of a children's toy. They're crazy. In an effort to boost enthusiasm for vaccinating your children. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Stupid for a multitude of reasons we will discuss in this hour with Representative Greg Murphy, one of the few practicing medical professionals in all of Congress, somebody who has been pretty open on this show about the fact that we're not being cavalier with the health of your children. When we say they don't all need to be vaccinated, with the reason being children and their natural immune systems have given them an infinitesimal chance, by the grace of God, of actually being hospitalized or killed by this virus. There are no children dying from it, thank God, that aren't immunocompromised, meaning a a regular healthy kid does not get COVID and wind up in the hospital, let alone dies, okay? But we're not having that informed discussion, okay? And one of the frustrations, and we've alluded to this on this show, is because there's a lot of people sitting on the board that are part of this vaccination push for kids that are making money off doing exactly that. And we can make this audacious claim because last week when Anthony Fauci went before uh, Congress, he was flat out asked, is anyone on the board receiving royalties from pushing this vaccine. And what did Fauci say? Well, under the law, I don't have to disclose that. Well, here's one for you. If he doesn't have to disclose that, fine. That's what the law says. But knowing how reprehensible it would be to be pushing a vaccine on children without any data to support doing so and profiteering along the way, you'd think a guy would want to clear his name if the answer was no. I think he's got a point. Meaning under the law, Fauci... And people making money off pushing this vaccine don't have to disclose this. However, that doesn't mean they can't disclose it. You dig? Which means if there was something out there to make them look good, they'd say, no, I'm not making money off this. You can go investigate it. But in this instance, they're not denying the fact that they're profiteering from pushing a vaccine on your kids that they have no data to support them taking. He should be behind bars. Let's start with the royalties, and then I'll give you the Fauci clip on the data. This is clip 46. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee. Have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Right. Can you tell me uh, that? 
Can you tell me if anybody Senator, on the vaccine approval committees ever received you, any money from people who make the vaccine? Question, sound bite number one. Are you going to let me answer a question? According to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. So did you hear what he just said? According to the Bayh-Dole Act, we don't have to disclose that. You suck, you jackass. And why do I say that? Because if they weren't making money on this, they would tell you they weren't making money. Correct the mundo. Okay, why would anybody be comfortable being tarred with this reality that they're pushing a vaccine on your kids with no data because they're making money off it. Nobody wants to own that. So he hid behind the law. The reason he didn't just lie and say, no, we're not making money, is because if somebody proves that they are, he's got a really big legal problem. Bingo. The legal problem being he lied under oath. Okay, he could have potentially perjured himself. But here is Fauci flat out admitting that there's no data showing that all these boosters they're pushing on kids has reduced hospitalizations, meaning they're pushing this without any data that says your kid needs it. Again, people in my position who come at this discussion from, hey, uh, if we don't know how what this is going to do to kids, we probably shouldn't give it to them. We're being portrayed as being cavalier with the health of children because we're not just behind this blanket sweeping, stick it in their body whether they need it or not. Yo, we're actually the ones playing the defense here. You know the old adage, defense wins championships? They're not playing any defense over on the pharmaceutical side of things because they're making some big schcaron, some big money by pushing this. Okay, here's Fauci, clip 47. Government recommends uh, everybody take a booster over age five. Are you aware of any studies that show reduction in hospitalization or death for children who take a booster? Right now, there's not enough data that has been accumulated, Senator Paul, to indicate that that's the case. So there, there are no studies, and Americans should all know this, there are no studies on children showing a reduction in hospitalization or death with taking a booster. Garbage like you just makes me sick. You understand? There are no studies showing a, a reduction in hospitalization or death. None. But Fauci, who is out there, not willing to say that he's not making money off pushing it. Listen, he's allowed to say that. You know, he says under the Bayh-Dole you know, Buy Act, we don't have to reveal whether or not we're making money. That doesn't mean they can't. Okay, he could have flat out said, no, we're not making any money. But he's making money. The board is making money. Okay, I am not a political activist, man. I'm a dad. You hear my kid on the show all the time. They're being very cavalier with the health of your children right now. They are. Fentanyl's a good example of that. Okay, you heard me last Friday. Lincoln was on the show if you were listening. For me to be giving my kid a lecture about not doing drugs when he gets to high school on the air, I, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's not supposed to happen, okay? That's not who I was in high school. I was a mess. This would be like Pete Rose telling his son not to gamble. Nah, don't gamble, son. I don't, I don't know anybody who'd ever do such a thing. Don't gamble. I mean, come on, man. Okay, I was a mess in high school. I'm lucky to be alive. But I didn't play ball in this era of fentanyl where kids are not overdosing. They're being poisoned and they're dying. So not overdose deaths. And that's the reason there's not more of an outcry in this country. Because we're portraying them as overdoses. 
Parents don't pay attention to that because they go, overdose, my kid's not a junkie. An overdose, the kind of thing that happens when you do so many drugs, it just eventually catches up to you one night. No, these are kids taking drugs recreationally for the first time and dying, dying. Okay, and the Biden administration has been indifferent to that at the southern border. We have a humanitarian crisis at the southern border. We had 46 migrants die yesterday in a tractor trailer where they were being smuggled into the country. We have incentivized these types of dangerous, perilous attempts to get into this country because the word is out that if you get caught at the border, you get let in. Biden can tell you the border's closed, but it's not what you say, it's what you do. If people come a 1,000 miles in a semi, okay, and they get apprehended at the border and then let into the country, when they call home, they don't say don't come. They say we made it, we're in. Okay, but that indifference to policing the border and enforcing the rule of law is getting children killed because of the record levels of fentanyl coming into the country. No different than, okay, I don't know that this vaccine is actually killing kids. I don't know that. I want to be responsible in this conversation. But do you understand the people who are making those decisions on whether or not to enforce the border work for the same administration that is making this decision to give your kid a vaccine whether we have data or we don't? Okay, that doesn't sound safe to me. I'm not an activist. I talk to you like a guy who cares because I do. I'm new to this. Okay, I'm at that stage of my career where things seem to be going all right. But I'm still the guy, just the regular dude. Like, I just want to go home and hang out with Jenny and Lincoln. So I want to use this platform for good. You know, I'm not stumping for Ron DeSantis, but I'm going to play you his clips here. Okay, because DeSantis saying, hey, you can go get this stuff if you want it, but I'm not going to mandate it because we don't have any data. Here's DeSantis. I'll give you three clips. Let's start with clip 43. So the White House is lying about it. We, <laughs> surprise, not surprised the White House would lie, definitely not surprised that legacy media would amplify the lie because that's what they do. The state of Florida, they came out with an article saying the state of Florida has not ordered, its Department of Health has not ordered mRNA jabs for the babies. Yes, we didn't. We recommend against it. We are not going to have any programs where we're trying to jab six-month-old babies with mRNA. That's just the reality. Good for him because you understand anyone who is trying to jab a baby with mRNA doesn't have any facts that support them doing so. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Especially in the face of so much data that shows us these kids are not susceptible. And again, it is a falsehood that they're peddling to socially pressure people into compliance. The falsehood being what? Well, you got to get vaccinated because even though you'll be fine, if you're unvaccinated, you could get and spread COVID and that could kill somebody else. This is not a personal decision. B.S. Vaccinated people, specifically boosted ones, are getting and spreading COVID like crazy. So the idea that you're getting vaccinated for the other guy is total garbage, total garbage. But again, that's the falsehood this debate began on. And the Democrats never abandon their position when it's proven wrong. They just call you a murderer. They say you don't care about kids. But ask me an honest question. Answer me this honest question. Who's the guy who doesn't care about kids? The guy who's saying, hey, I'm not giving this to the kids because we don't know what it's going to do to them. Or the guy saying, nah, give it to them. By the way, I own stock in this company. Give it to him. That's the guy who doesn't care. Let me give you a little more DeSantis. Because, again, they're saying he doesn't care about kids. He's being cavalier. Never mind that Florida and their approach to COVID and leaving things open and relying on natural immunity and taking a targeted approach to vaccination. He pushed vaccines pretty aggressively on, elderly, on the elderly population because he has the second biggest elderly population in America. 
He pushed the vaccine on people with underlying health, you know, complications. He pushed the vaccine on the morbidly obese because we have data that tells us they're the ones being adversely affected by COVID. He didn't push it on little kids. He didn't push mask mandates. We don't have any data to support needing it. Okay, but here he is talking about the fact that he's not prohibiting the vaccine. He's doing the American thing. If you want it, get it. Okay, I'm not going to force it on you, though. Clip 44. Look at the actual data in the clinical trial. It is the weakest possible data that you could possibly uh, see. Very small number of people. Uh, what the recommendation is from them doesn't even track the outcomes. It was something that, but, but people can ask their pediatricians. They can ask their doctors. What's the evidence of, of, of protection against severe disease? There, there was none in the clinical trial. Uh, but, but that's something that people would do. But for us, Joe Latipo, our Department of Health has looked at it. There is no proven benefit to put a, a baby with an MNRA. So that's why our recommendation is against it. That's different than prohibiting the use in Florida, which we don't have the, the authority to do. And quite frankly, you know, we're, we're confident people can make their own judgments on it. But you see what he's saying. Hey, make you know, make your own judgments. Okay. But the reaction to that is he's a murderer. What kind of maniac? And that's the problem we have right now. We're not having honest discussions. I try to have them on this show. Okay. This is the most honest thing I can tell you is these regulatory agencies, the people pushing this stuff, they don't care. They're not looking out for you. They're looking out for them. He he kind of alludes to this. It's clip 45. They've been wrong time and time again. They were wrong when they criticized me for having schools open. They wanted our kids locked out of school in the state of Florida. They were wrong when they criticized me for having businesses open, beaches, all these other things. And so this is an example where they are pushing this with very, very, very scant data. But again, people can make their judgments, but, but ask questions. And the fact of the matter is, I think what this whole uh, year and a half has shown us is these regulatory agencies in the federal government have basically become uh, subsidiaries of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they are not independent regulators. Uh, they basically are there to rubber stamp uh, what Pfizer wants to do. He's flat on out telling you the truth there. OK, we now have a world, a country where the pharmaceutical companies are telling the regulators, well, this is what we recommend. And the regulators are like, OK, because here's the deal. The people that work on the regulation side wind up working for the pharmacies, making big money. The people who work for the pharmacies wind up working and lobbying the regulation side. And ultimately, they wind up in a position where they'll vaccinate anything because it's just great for the bottom line. And if you don't believe me, go to the toy store and ask Elmo. Introducing Vaccinate Me Elmo, the children's toy that's a must-have for kids. Oh, hi. Elmo's so happy to see you. Made from 100% political pressure, Vaccinate Me Elmo doesn't follow any science. He makes up the rules as he goes along. <laughs> that gives Elmo an idea. And with the pharmaceutical companies giving a kickback on every shot, he'll have your kids laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Vaccinate Me Elmo, the toy that makes the good times mandatory. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. You were super duper today, getting your COVID vaccine, Elmo. Yeah, there was a little pinch, but it was okay. I'm 
Mama was really glad to have Daddy and Baby David there with you. Baby David, where are you? I had a lot of questions about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. Was it safe? Was it the right decision? I talked to our pediatrician so I could make the right choice. <laughs> I learned that Elmo getting vaccinated is the best way to keep himself, our friends, neighbors, and everyone else healthy and enjoying the things they love. That was absolutely dreadful. So that is the actual episode where they just vaccinated Elmo. And as the propaganda clip you heard said, oh, I just found out that, you know, vaccinating Elmo was the best way to keep him safe, protect the ones you love. Not according to Dr. Fauci, who flat out admits there's no data. Here it is. I'll play it again just so you understand. There's no data. Clip 47. Government recommends uh, everybody take a booster over age five. Are you aware of any studies that show reduction in hospitalization or death for children who take a booster? Right now, there's not enough data that has been accumulated, Senator Paul, to indicate that that's the case. No, there, there are no studies, and Americans should all know this, there are no studies on children showing a reduction in hospitalization or death with taking a booster. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. Yeah, money. He's pulling money out of his butt. Okay, this is crazy. And now we're getting Elmo propaganda videos. And again, even if Fauci believes that vaccinating these kids, boosting them is good, who the hell knows where this conversation is going to go? He hasn't exactly been the picture of consistency on things like vaccines. Another question from another student. Would you support a nationwide mandate of the COVID vaccine once it comes out? No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. And let's not act like he's thrown a perfect game on masks. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. Get them out of here. Get them out. I mean, just a piece of crap. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon trying to hold this country together. Sometimes I got to bring in backup. If ever there was good backup, you just bring in any backup. You got to bring in good backup. That's the key. Uh, This next guest joining us now on the program 
happens to be a superstar representative from the 3rd Congressional District of North Carolina. He is the House Ways and Means Committee member, vice chair of the House GOP Doctors Caucus. Imagine a doctor with a medical background discussing these issues. Representative Greg Murphy returns to the show. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. Good afternoon. How you doing today? Uh, listen, I'm OK. Uh, you know, we're, we're perilously close to the 4th of July. And as a guy who gets paid in barbecue, as you know, it's very hard for my staff to keep their eye on the ball right now. <laughs> we're trying. Well, you know, um, that's when the stomach starts grumbling. So the boss better treat him right. right? That's what I'm saying. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I've only got a few more TV hits. Uh, and once if I can get through like Thursday, I can start eating. But between now and then, they make me wear a shock collar so I don't get too fat for TV. So I love it. Yeah, I'll be a little I'll be a little cranky by Thursday. But today we're going to have some fun. Um, let me throw this one at you as, you know, someone who is actually, you know, the vice chair of the GOP Doctors Caucus. We're getting this big push right now uh, to start pushing more boosters and more vaccines on babies. And I haven't seen any evidence, and Fauci testified as much, that we don't have enough data right now to know whether or not this should be a thing. Have you guys seen anything on your side of town that tells you we're making an informed decision? No, I no, and adamantly no, Jimmy. And, you know, I, you and I have had this conversation many, many times during the pandemic, and I've been an advocate for vaccination. But I've been an advocate for this to be a discussion between a doctor and a patient not a government and a citizen. And so this is all should be, in my opinion, targeted to uh, individuals who are at high risk. And as we've seen the uh, pandemic progress and we've seen how different variants come out. And now, you know, I see patients, I see patients still two or three days a month. I get to the point now where I don't ask them if they've had COVID, but rather I used to ask them if they've had their vaccinations or if they've had their boosters. It's just one of our part of our medical things we do. Mm-hmm. But now I don't even ask them if they've had COVID. I've asked them how many times they've had COVID because, you know, it's happened two, three uh, times to individuals without, you know, with some commonality. Yeah. But if you look at the age under 18 um, age group and you look and you see the risk benefit ratio, mm-hmm. because that's what this is all about. You don't take vaccines unless you're at risk for them. And it's been shown with questionable significance whether these really decrease the amount of transmission of the virus. And so you look at a population that has a un- un- unbelievably low risk in healthy children mm-hmm. of, uh, of having severe disease from COVID, and it is exceedingly low. And we know, we know that these vaccines can have risks. No medicine is without risk. Tylenol, ibuprofen, aspirin all have risks. And so, you know, I think this is fine if children want to talk about it with their pedi- – I mean, if parents want to talk about it with their pediatrician. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they will – some states um, mandate vaccination, this particular vaccine for children's, in my opinion, in my medical opinion, and my personal opinion, I believe is wrong. So I believe it's up to parents and their pediatricians. I mean, imagine that. We're talking to Representative Greg Murphy from the great state of North Carolina. And, no, I would agree I would agree with you there. And my bigger concern, and this is something, uh, you know, exchange between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci last week, is Fauci had asked, uh, you know, excuse me, Rand Paul had asked Dr. Fauci if anybody on this board was making royalties off of pushing this vaccine. Fauci's response is that he doesn't have to disclose that under the law. But if the answer was, no, we're not making royalties, he would still technically be allowed to disclose the fact that they weren't making royalties, no? That's 100 percent correct. And what a devious answer that is. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. You know, uh, this is one of the reasons I hate to say this, but I'm seeing this in my medical community, that trust for physicians and trust in medicine mm-hmm. um, in hospitals also, for that matter, has plummeted during the pandemic because you have individuals like Fauci and Dr. Walensky at the CDC who have decided that it's more about their personality and the fact that they want to be the one all and end all, especially Fauci about what comes out of his mouth is uh, is uh, is like the Pope. It's like uh, mm-hmm. not questionable. Yeah. Um, and that he would say that he doesn't have to disclose that amount. That just tells me that there is something behind it. <laughs> I mean, how else do you, how, how else can you <laughs> contribute? I mean, uh, yep. uh, believe that. And so, you know, it's just embarrassing. It's sad that um, we have such a devious person as the head of the, spokes, the spokesperson for this pandemic for American medicine. I know. I really am. I'm frustrated for everybody. And it's, it's hard because they, they themselves have undermined faith in institutions. And there's a lot of that going on right. with the Supreme Court right now. It's funny because Democrats are calling the court illegitimate and saying the answer to this is that we need to stack the court, which would ultimately sure. delegitimize the court, which is the issue here. Um, right. but, but even as it pertains to something like abortion, we're not having an honest conversation there. They're basically telling people that the Supreme Court just criminalized abortion when, in fact, they just gave states the individual rights to have a say. Yeah. And even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this is is an important part, Jimmy. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that she thought the Roe versus Wade decision was on very, very shaky ground because of its because of its ruling Mm -hmm. and that this should be really at at the states. I'm not going to take words out of her mouth because I try to be objective with this stuff. But even she said that this was very, very, uh, very, very tenuous at best. And, yeah, it's turning it back to the states. And I look at North Carolina while the legislature is Republican. We have a Democratic governor who, by the way, invited over 1,800 illegal immigrants um, to settle into a school in Greensboro. Um, uh, We just found out this uh, last two days. Um, uh, But there's no way that he's going to not veto. He's going to veto any type of uh, Mm -hmm. abortion legislation. And so, you know, Jimmy, this is such a difficult topic because it it just – there are no winners. Yeah. There are no winners because – you have women who would kill a child, mm-hmm. and then they will be straddled with that grief and that guilt for their entire life. But then you also have a woman that maybe didn't have a pregnancy that she wanted, that God forbid if it came about on bad circumstances, mm-hmm. that um, carries that. But, you know, it's a beautiful life. If we believe that all life is ordained by God, mm-hmm. regardless of the circumstances, um, we just have to have that belief. And so it's not easy, but the fact that when the— uh, when the ruling came out, I was in the chamber at the time. Mm-hmm. The Democrats, their heads blew off. Their heads <laughs> blew off. And um, they hurried up voting and then went down on the steps of the Capitol and all marched in mass over the Supreme Court to just scream, rant, and rave because they didn't get their way. They didn't get their way. So, that's so crazy. pretty sad. Yeah, it is. We're talking to Representative Greg Murphy. And uh, that that's really my greatest frustration is we're not, you know, a lot of these conversations obviously, you know, have a political motivation, but that motivation doesn't always stem from the truth. And, and I just agree. I feel like there's a way there's a way to approach these issues 
that could actually prioritize the greater good as opposed to, oh, I don't know, midterm fundraising. But there seems to be a bigger effort being made to run in the midterms on this. And I think the truth is it's not the electoral issue a lot of Democrats think it is, only because people who live in blue states are generally going to get their way on abortion and people who live in red states might see the opposite. But I think the bigger issues facing Americans right now are inflation. And I think if we were going to talk about life and death, I think we're going to talk about the southern border. You know, with what we saw again yesterday with migrants being killed, you know, that's very much a symptom of this administration's indifference to what happens at the border, don't you think? Yeah, precisely. You know what? 50 migrants killed, basically cooked in a um, 18 wheeler. Um, How tragic is that? How tragic is that? And, you know, I think the abortion issue will have an incremental Mm -hmm. effect um, for the Democrats this time. I think it will. It it can't because there'll be some people that really we're not going to vote Democrat, but given just on this particular issue, feel very, very strongly about it. Mm-hmm. But I still think the overwhelming regards to see what a disaster, an absolute disaster the Biden administration has been. And he's taken this country from rags to, uh, excuse me, from riches to, to ruins in two years and created the most divided country, uh, divided time since the Civil War. And so um, it's really, really sad. And I hope people um, really understand what is at stake here um, and uh, we'll continue the the red wave, I believe, that we will have. Yeah, listen, it's it, it's looking good, but we can't spike the ball at the one-yard line. We got we to no, get it in the no, end zone. No, not at all. Not at all. All right, so that means you can't get uh, too banged up on the 4th of July. Try to hold it together, okay? I'll, I'll do my very best. <laughs> I got, very come best. on, you're, you're a doctor, okay? Of all people, you got to lead by example on this show. You know everybody else here is a mess. If we can't count on yeah. you to be the compass, the North Star, we're in big trouble. Well, I kind of tend to live a little bit of an adventurous life. I've been very <laughs> blessed, but I've had so, so many run-ins with death. My office staff, we always joke about that. Um, uh-huh. you know, heck, I got struck by lightning when I was 18 and some other very interesting uh, occurrences <laughs> in this time. But you, only, you get one life, you might as well live it, right? All right. Well, in that case, enjoy the keg stand. Uh, we'll talk again soon. <laughs> great, great stuff, All right, my man. Friend. God bless. Stay safe. You too, my man. There he goes. Representative Greg Murphy from the great state of North Carolina. Sounded like he's going to have a heck of a 4th of July. I don't know if it's going to rival mine. I'm going to have the link man out in California with me. Uh, There is an off chance, uh, a a remote, a distant chance that it will be just me and the link man and no Jenny Fela. Uh, Some breaking news out of our family we didn't really get into on the show today. But, uh, you know, we're kind of saying a prayer of thanks right now. Jenny's parents are okay. But they were on the Amtrak trail that derailed yesterday in Missouri. My my in-laws were on were on the train. Uh, with some of aunts and uncles as well. And thankfully, by the grace of God, they're all doing okay. Uh, but there are some, you know, hospitalizations and stuff like that. It's it's a big mess out there. And, you know, Jenny, who is the most capable human being in our family, I mean, she can put up with me. That's <laughs> that's a level of capability few people have. <laughs> but Jenny might be helping out in uh, some of those recovery efforts. We're waiting to figure this out. But one way or the other, i got to be in L.A. Saturday morning to shoot something on the Santa Monica Pier. So... You know, the show pony's got to put on the saddle and go gallop. There's just no nice way to do this. Uh, But we're going to figure it out one way or the other. And uh, I'm going to play you something when we come back to round out the show today. It is, again, it's a very contentious time in our politics. Very heated. But, you know, as the show that really does pride itself on, oh, I don't know. I always say uh, coexistence. We're coexisting through comedy. We laugh at a lot of our problems to get through them. It's a coping mechanism. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip about a potential 2024 presidential candidate 
who I there's no chance. I, I have a better chance of winning Miss Universe, which technically I probably could win Miss Universe if I just claim I'm a woman. You can just show up. They kind of have to let me compete. Uh, but in this instance, it's a candidate with no chance that does believe they can gain some former relevance back by announcing a candidacy. I will break it all down for you with a personal anecdote to boot. That's the grand finale. You and me are going to have a fireside chat that very well may put my showbiz career up in flames, but it's the least I can do. The world's on fire. Grab a stick. We'll roast some marshmallows after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a guy you know who is not running for president in 2024. No chance. There's a lot of debate on who might. DeSantis, Tim Scott, Trump, Kanye, I don't know. One name nobody was talking about, one name nobody was talking about running in 2024 was Howard Stern. Tell it like it is. But Howard, you know, who used to be mega relevant. At one point, he was the self-appointed king of all media. Uh, announcing on his show today that he wants to run for president to straighten out the country. Now, this is the story of the year, and that year is 1996. (laughs) Howard Stern, first of all, is just not relevant enough to run, with all due respect. I mean, he's had as good of a radio career as anybody could hope to have. So don't sound like I'm even attempting to compare my success and my reach to his. I'm obviously more talented. It's a better show. But his accomplishments speak for themselves. But he basically grew into everything that he's built his career on trashing, which was an elitist, an out-of-touch elitist who had just a dripping disdain for the little people, for the rank and file. He built his show on the backs of those people. But the main reason he'll never run for president beyond the fact that he has no chance of winning is he just won't have to get out there and campaign. This is a guy who hasn't met the staff of his radio show in two years because he's holed up in the Hamptons. He doesn't even come into the serious studios anymore. Doesn't even shake hands, fist bump, meet the people at the holiday party who make his two-hour-a-week work life possible. But here he is on his show trying to gain back some relevance by saying he's going to have to run for president. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. Desperate for relevance, that is. It's clip 13. I know people have political opinions. I know most people agree with me. I read the polls. But um, I said to Robin, and I hate to say this, but but I said to her, I'm actually going to probably have to run for president now. And she goes, and then my wife. I was trying to push him into it earlier. Now he's reluctantly stepping up. Well, my wife said, oh, no, you don't. I don't want to be first lady. Let Robin (laughs) be first lady. I said to Robin, are you prepared to be first lady? And I believe you accepted. You were ready. (laughs) poor Howard there's more to this okay and you know part of it is in jest and the guy is doing you know what he considers to be a comedy show and there is a lot of ironic laughter these days but you know when he talks about this I'm gonna run I'm gonna I'm gonna straighten it out you know part of it is for relevance and you know part of it is kind of tongue-in-cheek but the reality is he does think he has become the embodiment of that liberal moral superiority, that liberal intellectual superiority, where they're wrong on every issue, but they speak with such a degree of self-righteousness that it's unironically hilarious. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. But here he is. He's a little more Howard, uh, talking about stacking the court. It's clip 14. Clarence Thomas is talking to, I don't even know what he's talking about. He's going to undo gay rights, you know, gay marriage. He's going to undo oh, yeah, he's coming contraception. 
I hope they roll it all the way back to slavery and then they slap him on a plantation. Well, someone said, what about interracial marriage? If you're going to take away gay right, marriage, what that about... that against the law, yeah. Yeah, let's take that away from Let our, our man who's... Let the decide that. My man is married to a white woman. Why should we... You know, well, you want to start regulating the bedroom? You want to start regulating who people can marry? We were past all of this and we still are. We, we as a country, voted for Hillary Clinton by three million votes. We voted for uh, Biden because it was repugnant, all of this horse. <laughs> but now for life, we're st- now listen. The other thing is, if I do run for president and I'm not f-ing around, I'm really thinking about it <laughs> because the only other thing I'm going to do is appoint five more Supreme Court justices. <laughs> I just find it funny. Yeah, everyone telling you the court's not legitimate. So we'll appoint five more justices. De- you know, we'll delegitimize the current structure. But again, their attitude towards Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas is one of the greatest things about this country in this moment. He has, despite the fact that they're calling him Uncle Clarence and every other racial epitaph imaginable. And by the way, Howard, if you really think they're going to bring back slavery, you might want to wash off the blackface. I mean, think about how much blackface he wore in his career. You understand? Uh, he'd have a better shot of being prime minister of Canada. He could, he could join Justin Trudeau in the blackface party if we were going to be honest about it. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But Howard Stern and, you know, other liberal elites like this who think there's some type of correlation between wealth and intelligence are everything that's wrong with the country because they do think they're better than you. They know better than you. You're not worthy of their time. You're not worthy of an engagement on the issues. But think about it. Who's really trying to avoid an engagement on the issues? The guy who's confident in his ideas or the guy who's horrified that his ideas might be wrong? Howard Stern is a jackass, and I do hope he gains some relevance from this, and I know it has really burnt his balls that Donald Trump, who was a regular caller on his show, came five billion times more relevant than Howard ever did, and on some level that bothers him. And so here he is floating this trial balloon that's dead on arrival like the rest of his media relevance. Good night. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.